The Lifestylist, episode 67, featuring Brian Chaplin. I'm Luke Story, a former celebrity fashion stylist and founder of School of Style. For the past 20 years, I've been relentlessly dedicated to my deepest passion, designing the ultimate lifestyle based on the most powerful principles of health and spirituality. The Lifestylist Podcast is a show dedicated to sharing my discoveries and the experts behind them with you. Your brain is being enlightened by the Lifestylist Podcast. I'm Luke Story, and I'm here with an episode all about weed, doobie, dope, pot, bud, herb, green, kush, trees, ganja, chronic, mota, sticky, icky, indo, Mary Jane, swag, green bud, skunk, hydro, wacky, tobacco, grass, reefer, dank. Today's show is all about the use of medicinal and recreational cannabis or as it's better known, officially marijuana. Today's guest is my friend Brian Chaplin, and Brian comes to us with a lot of information about this subject, and it's something near and dear to my heart because I spent the better part of my youth high as F, and uh, I've, of course, since given that up and moved on to more sober means of living, but uh, it's definitely an area of interest. So some of the things we talk about in this episode with Brian are his company, Medicine Box, and how he created it from the ground up. He's quite the entrepreneur. He's got this groundbreaking philosophy called soil to oil, which is, I think, unparalleled to my knowledge in the industry. He's hardcore about the whole process of his growing and production. How to grow truly organic herb and some of the toxic chemicals commonly used in cultivation, then the legalities of owning and operating a marijuana company. How does cultivation affect the environment? Turns out a lot of people growing the old weed are not doing the environment any favors. You'd think that uh, people that are into (laughs) growing marijuana would probably care about the environment. Turns out because there's so much big money in it that it can be quite toxic to the land. So we're going to learn all about that. And then navigating the transitional, unregulated elements of cannabis into a legitimized business model. This is a kind of the Wild West in this industry, and Brian's got some great insight about that. And then we get into some of the details of the actual medicine, right? What's the difference between CBD oil and THC? And my big question was, a so- can a sober person take THC in even small doses without getting high because there's a lot of benefits to it but if you're someone that doesn't want to get high then maybe not so much so we're going to find that out why cbd oil is a very weak compound on its own and how to avoid wasting your money on cbd products huh how about some inside info there some miracle cures to chronic diseases that have been attributed to cannabis this stuff is used for a lot of different chronic and quote unquote untreatable or incurable diseases like cancer. So there's some interesting stuff there. Herbs and also other components that Brian uses as functional ingredients and what they are and how they're used. What are terpenes and the other medicinal compounds in cannabis? And then the entourage effect when using different plant medicines together. So there's pretty cool stuff being done now by people like Brian that are infusing different herbs and other plants with cannabis to maximize the effects. And then of course we close with the current and future state of the cannabis industry and what an industry it is. It's pretty crazy. It's been uh, wild to watch this kind of go from something that was totally taboo and illegal when I was a kid in the 70s and 80s to being something that is actually getting some legitimate attention in terms of its uh, medical benefits. So it's not just about like getting high and going to a show and like watching some reggae actually has a lot of uh, a lot of other uses. And so that's what I was kind of interested in because I've already tried the other uses. But whatever 
your goal is. You are going to learn tons about all things marijuana in this episode. And I also want to give you a heads up that next Tuesday, June 6th, is my year anniversary show. That's right, number 68 with legendary author Neil Strauss. I've been trying to get Neil to be on the show since I started, and he's one of the guys that really encouraged me to do it um, when I did start the podcast. So I'm really, really excited to bring you that episode next Tuesday. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast on your computer or your device so that in the event you miss it on Tuesday, Day that will be automatically downloaded for you. So when you get to your phone or device, you're going to find it there waiting for you. Thank you so much for listening. It's been a great year. A massive part of my health strategy is the ingestion on a regular basis of medicinal herbs and medicinal mushrooms. And my primary source for those is a company called Four Sigmatic. If you remember way back in the day in episode eight, I had a guest by the name of Taro Isacapula from this company. And we talked all about the power of these amazing herbs and mushrooms. Well, Four Sigmatic do a great job of making them not only potent, but also convenient and delicious. So they make these little packets of herbs that you add to hot water, cold water, or bulletproof coffee, whatever your recipe is. I make them with all kinds of different stuff all the time. It makes a really easy way to get this stuff into your body. And these are herbs that have a real effect on you. It's very powerful stuff. So go to foursigmatic.com, but wait, I'm going to hook it up. When you get to foursigmatic.com, enter the code THELIFESTYLIST at checkout to save 15% off your order. So you can get things like reishi mushrooms, chaga mushrooms, cordyceps, lion's ashwagandha, all the good stuff that really works. So go to foursigmatic.com, enter the code THELIFESTYLIST and save 15% off your order. Today's episode is brought to you by my friends over at Organifi.com. Really excited about this product. I've been using it for a few months and I've got to say they are revolutionizing the green juice game. So you probably know that green juice is good for you, right? We see them like in 7-Eleven now and airport convenience stores. That's awesome. I'm all for it. But there's a couple of issues with green juice that I find troubling. A is a lot of times they come in plastic. B, they're loaded with sugar up to 25 grams sometimes, which is insane. That's like a green Coke. But the main thing is they're just really in convenient. They're not good for travel. Organifi has solved that problem by creating these single serving packets of a really easy to mix, easy to use green juice superfood blend. It's loaded with 11 superfoods. It's got chlorella, wheatgrass, spirulina, mint, turmeric, moringa, ashwagandha, lemon, beets, matcha green tea, coconut water, Best of all, it's sweetened with monk fruit, which is a really low glycemic sugar. So it's not going to spike your blood sugar, which essentially drains you of energy, makes you crash, and ultimately could also make you fat because you don't want to be having a high sugar drink. It just is not good. So these guys make this amazing tasting, super powerful green juice powder. It also comes in a tub if you just want to have one at home. It's by far the tastiest one that I've found. There's a lot of superfood green blends around. And to be honest, a lot of them just taste gross and they don't mix well and they're just not convenient to travel with. You'd have to like make a Ziploc bag full of some green powder. You know what I'm saying? You don't want to be traveling through the airport security and get caught with one of those. So if you want to check it out, I highly recommend that you do. And I've also got a little discount for you, of course. All you do is go to Organifi.com, that's spelled with an I, Organifi.com, enter the code LIFESTYLIST, and you will save 20% off your order. It's a pretty sweet deal. So again, go to Organifi.com, enter the code LIFESTYLIST, and you will save 20%. Check it out. In 2002, Brian Chaplin moved to Lake Tahoe, California with just $1,000 and a backpack to pursue the ski bum lifestyle. 
After several years supporting his skiing and travel habits working in the food and beverage industry, he discovered that he could apply his work ethic and the knowledge he gained from a degree in environmental studies at the University of Vermont to the underground world of cultivating medicinal cannabis. From the soil-to-oil philosophy of Medicine Box, Brian's true passions lie within the culture of cannabis and the California lifestyle. With Medicine Box, he bridges the gap between his passions and visions and innovative business concepts. Remaining true to the power of cannabis and its medicinal magic, Brian fluidly navigates the many nuances of the cannabis movement. He consistently positions himself and his company on the cutting edge of mindful cultivation and innovation. When he's not developing his vision for Medicine Box and the cannabis community, you can find him seeking inspiration skiing at Squaw Valley, hiking in the Sierra Nevada mountains with his Husky Phoenix, swimming along the shores of beautiful Lake Tahoe, or picking away at his acoustic guitar. So here we are to talk about all things cannabis with Mr. Brian Chaplin from Medicine Box. Welcome to the show, dude. Thanks, Luke. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's yeah. good to see you again. I haven't seen yep. you since the Bulletproof Conference back in the day. Back in September in Pasadena. Yes, that was yes. was a fun time. So how's your trip to LA been? It's been great. We've been tackling a lot of you know different 420 events and meeting with a variety of dispensaries and buyers and other people sharing some of the same core values that Medicine Box does around cannabis and putting on some fun events down here. So awesome, infiltrating cool. the, the LA market. Um, and it's nice and refreshing coming from NorCal. Yeah, after yeah. Being so you live uh, near Tahoe, right? Lake Tahoe. Oh, in Lake Tahoe. The actual Not place. in Lake Tahoe, on Lake Tahoe. <laughs> <laughs> Lake Tahoe yeah. I guess you can't <laughs> live in a lake, right? Yeah. Unless you're in a yellow submarine. So uh, welcome to LA. Congratulations yeah. on your $60 parking ticket. Yeah, that, those, that was phenomenal. Those can be plentiful. We, we really a, had to get ramen. It's a good opportunity yep. to practice acceptance uh, as I'm practicing now. So I, I gave you a little teaser when you walked in and I'm like, dude, I'm like, this is the weirdest day to record a podcast. And I, I might as well just say it because I can, <laughs> I can warn people that listen to the show. But when I try like an herb or a nootropic or something like that, my method is kind of like take more than the recommended dose and see how I feel because I want to quantify the effects and then sort of scale it back. Well, recently I tried this thing, um, which is an extract of Yohimbi, mm -hmm. which you can use for like energy and stuff, which is what I tried to use it before. But a lot of people use it for like sexual enhancement and performance. So, you know, that's obviously why I got it to begin with. <laughs> but this morning I got up and I made my morning smoothie and I was like, oh, God, I'm kind of tired because I went to bed late last night. And the dose is like this tiny, tiny little spoon. Remember back in the 80s, I don't know if you ever like did Coke out of a tiny little Coke spoon. It's literally that big. Like that's one dose of this extract because it's super strong and there's all these warnings on the bottle, like don't take more than that. So I was trying to like scoop one of those little things in my smoothie this morning just to get a little extra energy and I accidentally dumped the entire little tub of it in the smoothie. But it sort of floated on the top, so I scooped it out with the spoon, and I was like, that's good. I got it all out, and then I made my smoothie, and like a half an hour later, and this is hours ago, a half an hour later, I felt like I just shot up crystal meth. Like, I was so tweaked. I almost considered like going up to Cedar sinai emergency room and <laughs> getting checked out. My heart was like beating out of my chest. So... I took a sauna. I've taken three cold showers. I've done Wim Hof breathing. I did box breathing. <laughs> I laid on my back. I, I took GABA. I took Phenibit. I took all these like calming supplements to try and calm down and it hasn't worked. So CBD. So maybe we try to, we try <laughs> to do CBD, but it's funny because I've never recorded a podcast in this state. I feel very unsober and weird. 
So if I start talking too much or too fast, just reach over and kick me under the table or <laughs> under the chair and get me to calm down. You're doing just fine, Luke. Okay, good. Yeah, just like the funniest day ever to record yeah. a podcast, especially because we have it on YouTube, on the video, Facebook Live, and on Instagram Live. All right, so let's jump into this. What is your company, Medicine Box, and how did you create it? Because I have I don't know much about the cannabis industry, which is why right. I'm excited to yeah. talk to you. But it seems to me, just from what I've seen in the industry as a bystander, that you're doing something very special in that space. So what's up with what yeah, you're doing? Yeah, uh, Medicine Box is a multifaceted cannabis company um, focused on mindful cultivation and innovation. Uh, we take a lot of integral strategy towards our educational responsibility of cannabis, our social responsibility around cannabis, and as well as upholding the, the culture of cannabis, holding true to the plant and holding true to the homesteaders that have cultivated this plant for many decades before I was born and even the thousands of years before um, it was actually considered a supplement or preventative or even a drug under the, you know, the Fed's eyes. And with that said, we have a line of 14 products and the products are essentially just an extension of, of the brand uh, medicine box. Uh, we, we cultivate our own plants. We then are able to have quality control over how we cultivate those plants. And then the extraction process of how we obtain the oil and then the infusion process into the product. So 100% quality control over the whole soil to oil process. Um, That's, I like. I heard you say that before. Soil to oil. Like, yeah. is that your little? Is that your phrase? That is my phrase. That's it's cool. In the it's U- good, dude. It's in the USPTO um, office right now under trademark. So awesome. Good for you. Uh, it, it's a little bit of a uh, strategy to get around the the patent office and trademark since cannabis is still federally illegal. Everyone oh, out there. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. So, you know, the, the different markings that w- my attorney and I chose, it's working. So it's, it's all about strategy now. Yeah. Well, it's yeah. a really good little, you know, slogan. It's yeah. dope. And I mean, it, like, I don't even know what you're doing yet. And I already get that, you know, so it's well, cool. Well, you know, think vertical integration. So it's, it's being mindful of the genetics and the, and the plants and that we choose at the beginning of the season. And we'll, we'll talk about that more later into how we cultivate those plants and the techniques we use in cultivating them all through the processing of the plants and then into extracting the oil out of the plants to get the medicine and then infusing our products right to the retail That's experience. awesome. I love yeah. that. So, so it, it's interesting because it's just a fun subject to talk about because the early part of my life was centered around weed. I grew up in Northern California um, in Sonoma County. So, mm. you know, you know, there's Sonoma County, Ground then Mendocino <laughs> County, then Humboldt County. People listening, if you smoke weed, you've heard of Humboldt County. So it was the 70s and 80s when I grew up there. And I mean, just every parent like of my friends grew weed, had weed, had hash. It was just part of the culture, even though it was illegal, I think, largely because a lot of the hippies from the hate like kind of migrated out of the mm, city absolutely. and went north and homesteaded. And it just became this massive industry, which I think was like California's biggest cash crop for a while, maybe still is. Still is. So as a kid, I tried to grow weed a lot of times and it seemed to be really hard. Either it would die or I accidentally got a male plant or someone would steal it. It's like I never <laughs> was able to successfully grow weed and now it's like this huge industry and it's basically legal. So how did you first get into 
you know, doing this. Yeah. Like, rec- was it recreational and then turned to business or what's your deal? Yeah, a little bit of both. Um, and just to retract on the, the cannabis industry, I like to think of it more of as a cannabis movement right now. There's not really quite a robust industry yet, especially in California without permitting and licensure. Um, that will happen in 2018. So there's a very amazing movement happening with you know a variety of brands, companies, cultivators, manufacturers coming into the light now, out of the shadows, kind of peeking around their fences and their farms and seeing what's next. So for me, um, it was living in the San Francisco Bay Area from 2008 to 2011, took a little break from Lake Tahoe. Um, I was out at Burning Man and some friends said, just moved to San Francisco. And I went straight from Burning Man to San Francisco on a whim. Uh, that was back in the, the partying days. And couldn't find a job. In 2009, I hadn't worked for about a year. I was on unemployment and got in a car with some friends and either right place, wrong time, wrong place, right time, and went and looked at a warehouse space in the uh, East Bay in Oakland. And that's when it all clicked. I said, oh, I now I understand why we're looking at this warehouse space. And I happen to have $60,000 of unused credit cards and financed a indoor grow in Oakland and with two friends. And that was, that was the big trial and error learning experience. And since then, I've been at it and shifting gears and moving forward and getting a lot more conscious on my practices and you know, f- really fine-tuning the business end of it in this transitional time from 2017 to 2018. Did you smoke weed when you were a kid or ever try to grow it or anything? I would smoke my dad's old hash pipes that he <laughs> would leave in. <laughs> Scrape the resin out. Back <laughs> when he was in the yeah. service in Spain. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, and I found it. But I was never, I was never much of the stoner person. I, you know, I tried it, and I, it would make me too paranoid. Um, so, yeah, I kind of skipped through that whole stoner phase that you know, a lot of people have. Yeah, um, mine was like 10 to 26. <laughs> a long phase, yes. Yeah. Well, lucky for you, maybe you skipped that and now you have the brain cells left to actually be a successful entrepreneur. <laughs> Thank you, yeah. There's a lot of brain cells lost with other practices. but So how do you run your company as a conscious entrepreneur? What's your... It's not something I typically talk about on the show because it's not like a business-based show. It's more about health right. and wellness and spirituality. But I'm just curious, as a fellow business owner, it's been like trial and error for almost nine years with my school and mm-hmm. learning how to manage people and keep people happy and you know give back to the community, all that kind of stuff. Like, right. how do you hire people and fire people and like run shit? How did you learn <laughs> about business? Wonderful, wonderful question. I hurt myself skiing in December of last year. So I was laid out for about 30 days and I'm a pretty active person and can't really sit still, but it, it forced me to sit still and really think about what I wanted to do with cannabis. Um, I really wasn't feeling satiated or plentiful living season to season and growing X amount of pounds and, you know, making some money and, surviving, you know, surviving well, but I really wanted some more intrinsic value behind what I was doing. So I started reading a lot of books. I started listening to your podcast. I started listening to Bulletproof Podcast with Dave Asprey and reading Conscious Capitalism and The Conscious Company by John Mackey. Oh, is that, uh, yeah, I've heard of that. John Mackey, of, <laughs> the founder of, that, of Whole yeah. Foods and 
that first publication of Conscious Company uh, really changed my whole world around. I brought it to a trip to Hawaii. I probably read it cover to cover, multiple just lines and flow charts. And that's, I literally in a week's time in Oahu, I formulated my whole idea of medicine box, soil to oil, um, our mission statement, uh, mindful cultivation and innovation. I had just completed a mindful meditation, um, eight-week seminar up in Truckee, uh, you know, just learning Qigong and more mindful practices to life and mitigating stress. And I really poured all that into this brand concept while looking externally and seeing the variety of equipment that I had, the infrastructure, the farms, the the manufacturing machine, the people, the finances, and said, okay, business is about connecting dots. How can I connect all these dots? And that was back about a year ago, February of 2016. And I was coming up onto a new season and knowing that recreational or adult use cannabis was going to be legalized by 2018. So, you know, one side of the coin is saying, keep growing, you have two more years and just, you know, bury your money and, and get out or create something more sustainable and deliver a message and preserve cannabis for the right reasons, not the wrong reasons. Cool, man. Awesome. And in terms of being a conscious entrepreneur, how does cannabis as a form of agriculture affect the environment? Like how does all that work in terms of like, are people doing it in a way that pollutes the environment and some people doing it in a way that's more clean and sustainable. I mean, I know there's a lot of monocrops in agriculture that are not good for the soil, not good for the land, factory farms. So as cannabis growing continues to expand and become more popular and just becomes legalized, as I'm sure it you know, will in many places, how does that affect the land? So if I lease you 20 acres and you want to grow outdoors, is it going to trash the land or is it going to leave it better than when you came? I like to say, leave it better than how I found it, but that's not really the case. We could probably spend a whole other podcast on this subject, so I'll just kind of tune in the best I can. There are a lot of bad actors out there. They are diverting streams, killing off wildlife. Uh, I call it the, the pump and dump. Let's, let's get in there, drop soil, plug in plants, and you know use miracle Grow or synthetic fertilizers and some pretty gnarly pesticides that get into the cannabis and do not degrade over time. We take much more of a sustainable, best management practices approach to the way we set up our greenhouses uh, with zero discharge on our water. Uh, We stay completely in tune with the amount of water usage that we use. Uh, If you remember, the last three years have been a drought in California. Rainwater collection systems growing organically, building our living soil. Uh, So year after year, the soil appreciates in value. It doesn't depreciate. Um, So as a business person, I I like that. The soil is on (laughs) in a bookkeeping, you know, QuickBooks, and it actually appreciates in value. (laughs) Really? Yes. Um, Wow, that's that's cool. And over time, you want to find that healthy balance that your inputs year after year are cost-effective. So growing organically and being conscious of the practices that you put in. Um, You can grow more quality material using the sun and eventually you want to be able to just, you know, simple soil, water, sun, the earth, the rhizosphere. So 
And what happens when people are using these pesticides and stuff in the cannabis and then people are smoking it or ingesting it? That's kind of gnarly. I remember when I was a kid, once I got some, this is back in the day, we used to have something called Thai stick, you know? Mm. And, you know, it was like, they were little sticks there from Thailand. And I got some and it was really moldy. And of course I smoked it anyway, because that's all I had. And I got so goddamn sick. And then there were various times where I would smoke and get sick and it wasn't moldy. And I'm looking back thinking it probably had to do with something that was sprayed on it or stuff in the soil that was just kind of inherent to the plant and then into the bud. So what's up with like non-organic yeah. whack cannabis? Well, cannabis is an unregulated marketplace. So there's so you can just spray it with whatever? You can spray it with whatever you want. You spray it with want. Roundup and then... Roundup. You can use miracle <laughs> oh, Dude. You can use these really terrible pesticides that are a one-time application and they're systemic and they have a six-month half-life, so they don't degrade. Take the plant and now you're extracting it down to oil, so you're essentially concentrating everything in that plant including the pesticides. Wow. So it becomes a much higher concentration, and then you're burning it or vaping it or eating it. That sucks, especially for people that are using cannabis to treat disease, <laughs> right? That's sort of like a lot of the pharmaceutical industry. It's like there's you know some molecule in there that will actually help you, and it's encapsulated or surrounded by or mixed with all the shit that will kill you. That's the conundrum, and that's that's the code that medicine box is trying to crack uh, and, and living more of an ethical approach to the way we carry our business. It might not be the easiest way, but it's the right way. And I believe in the next three to five years, the more people that are coming in as consumers or business owners are going to be able to understand that best management practices are really what's going to be able to excel. Same with the organic food movement it's not really going out of style anytime soon you know the right. gmo food versus your local farmer's market or your csa box i mean that has become you know a mainstream now where it was more of an underground movement so blending some of those conventional food farming practices in with cannabis now is really a big part of our business model yeah that's cool man and so what about the legality of the industry. So I remember, I mean, as I said, I haven't paid that much attention to the industry itself because I quit smoking 20 years ago. You know, I've been stone cold sober the whole time, except for today from this Yohimbi mishap. <laughs> this will be the first time I didn't feel sober. But so I saw like kind of weed stores pop up and they're like, oh, it's medical. You have to get this medical card. So you go in there and see a doctor that's like at the weed spot. And then you're like, oh, I have insomnia or whatever. And they write your prescription. And then now I've heard that it's becoming legal in California. So what's what's going on like currently April 2017 yeah. with the laws and how, how did like how did you get into it without getting in trouble and breaking the law like how does all that work very fine line uh lots of gray area um 1995 is when california passed proposition 215 and that was the passage of medical cannabis um, not much movement has happened since 1995 um and oh, that's so it's just been pretty steady like medical only and extremely steady medical but so if it's legal for medical purposes and you're a grower like 
how can you prove that you're selling it to legit dispensaries for medical and you're not just slanging pounds of weed on the side, making a bunch of untaxed dollars? Very good question. And there, forgive me for calling it weed. Like I know in the cannabis industry, it's like people like to call it cannabis. To me, it's like... It's weed. You know, it's like... It, that's a weed. At the end of the day, the, the plant is a weed. Okay. It, it's, it's a okay, general good. species. It grows really well if you give it exactly what is, it is wants. Is there not sort of a dissociation in the cannabis industry that wants to legitimize this as like, you know, a useful medical um, supplement and things like that, that they don't want the, the public perception of it to be like, oh, yo, let's get some weed at the weed store and like just to get high and like party, you know? There's a lot of stigma still on yeah. weed or cannabis. There's the, you know, stoner, lazy, hippie guy, slacker, you know, and right, right. now... Dude um, from Big Lebowski. Dude from Big Lebowski, <laughs> you know, t- tie-dye t-shirts, uh, the Rastas, you know, that's all the stigma that is still around and again, part of our educational program in Medicine Box, when we market through social media, Facebook, and our website, blogging is a big one we do as well, is really mitigating that stigma and showing folks that cannabis can be part of a health and wellness program. It can be a preventative. It can be a supplement if used properly. It doesn't need to be, you know, you don't need to wake up in the morning and take a bong load and then get on with your day and, you know, take a bong load at lunch. I mean, there's plenty of people that do that. You know, I think that is the fine line of where it's more than a supplement or a preventative when you're taking bong loads or you need, you know, 15 joints a day just to get through your day. That's somewhat checking out in my mind that maybe that's my own opinion (laughs) but yes there is this divide during this transitional time it's very interesting and it's very fun to navigate because there's so many people that we come across um, as a brand personally as myself that having these really cool intrinsic conversations with them telling them that they just you know used cannabis for the first time um, and the last time that they use cannabis was when they were smoking weed in 10th grade and their mom caught them and said it was bad and you were going to be a loser. So that's the really fun part about my job is to be able to see like what we're doing is actually working on some level by releasing that stigma and bringing, bringing correct knowledge to the masses. And the stigma was really brought about by the prohibition of the plant you know, it's reefer like madness. reefer madness and all that stuff. You know, it's like you smoke weed, you're going to go out and rape people and you yeah. know, all this funny stuff that I used to look at. Yeah. So going back to, I kind of derailed you because that's what I'm that's good at. Right. Um, going back to the legal ramifications, how has that changed and how have you been able to sort of circumvent that and stay above board and still yeah. be profitable and all so that? So that, that, not profitable. Uh, Prop 215 is, um, you're able to work in a collective co-op model what what a collective and co-op is no one really knows it's just a group of patients or cultivators that work in a closed loop system the people in this room including myself we can be part of a collective luke luke stories cannabis collective we can all grow up to six plants per person under the state of california for medical use our six plants there's five people in this room we can grow 30 plants in that collective you might be good at you know, recording books. I might be the cultivator and the other three people uh, may be good at processing it and making it to 
into medicine and anything that is exchanged on a monetary value is done within the collective. That is also a very large gray area that has allowed cannabis in California to thrive and almost get out of hand without any regulations. So 20 plus years now, bringing us to 2017, we're at the point where we're trying as a state to form a licensure system in order to get a license on the state level, you need to have a permit issued by your county. So again, it's very tumultuous influx transition from that collective model under a nonprofit to a for-profit model in 2018. And that's what everyone's trying to navigate. And then what about the federal laws because I, rem- I remember I mean, it was like 10 years ago a lot of the spots in Hollywood were popping up and they were getting raided by the feds and the owners are going dude what the fuck we're not breaking California law but the federal government was saying well you're breaking federal law because it's still illegal to sell it very good point all this warm and fuzziness about cannabis it is still a schedule one drug in the eyes of the feds right up there with heroin and cocaine that is so bizarre. I mean, like, and going back to the stigma and stuff like that, where I'm like, is it okay to call it weed? You know, it's like, because it still is a recreational drug for a lot of people. And then there's little old ladies with cancer that take it not to get high. But I also want to say, I don't think there's anything, even though I don't do it, like, there's nothing wrong with doing it to get high. And I believe that every human being has a right to put whatever they want into their own body for better or for worse, especially a goddamn plant that requires like nothing else, but as you said, soil, air, sun, <laughs> and water. You know, it's like, I mean, I could see you take something like the coca plant and you do this chemical process to break it down into cocaine or crack cocaine or something. It's like, all right. I mean, still probably shouldn't tell people they can't do that. But I mean, it's like a derivative of a plant. It's like pot is so natural. If anything should be illegal, I would like choose alcohol and like let people smoke weed. So I just want to put that out there too. Have you ever known anyone in your network of people that have died from an overdose of too much cannabis? <laughs> Absolutely not. I've never exactly. even known one that got and it got in a fight because of too much cannabis. It's like the worst thing that happens when you smoke weed. You might suck at driving. I mean, I'll admit, like there's probably a lot of unrecorded accidents from people being high driving right. for sure. Just driving really slow. Yeah, 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 exactly. I used to get pulled over sometimes for driving too slow because I was so, <laughs> I'd be so paranoid. Yeah. So I, I just, it's worth mentioning, like, I, you know, I don't think marijuana should be demonized medically or recreationally. Right. It's just, it's a plant. It's, it's retarded yeah. to me, you know? So a lot, there's a, there's a, a long journey ahead of us as a cannabis movement. And, it's all about education and just, you know, the more people that are taking action and bringing it out of the shadows into the light, I think it's going to be, you know, change the world, really. Awesome. Yeah. So very interesting landscape in terms of the legalities, you know, the federal government versus state government. I remember, you know, my dad lives in Colorado, so I go there a lot. And I remember when uh, marijuana was legalized there, I mean, just this industry just kind of blew up and everyone's making all this money and it's the wild west and there's all these mafioso kind of groups in denver robbing people you know this really weird sort of situation especially there because colorado is i think politically quite liberal but there's still the majority of people there are like mountain people you know so it's just it was kind of weird to be you're driving by a rodeo and then there's like 
a marijuana co-op next to it. You know, it's just like, it was very strange. And I was always wondering like, how's this going to turn out? You know, it's just, it's a really strange thing to see happen from the outside. So what's going to happen in California next? You mentioned in 2018, things are changing. So what's, what's like a guaranteed at this point in terms of like how you are going to be able to operate as a business owner? uh, January 1st of 2018, there will be state licenses put into place. And that's all the way from cultivation through manufacturing, distribution, and retail. We are operating as cultivators and as manufacturers. That's the soil to oil philosophy. So right now in Nevada County, where we operate, and that's in California, there is not quite a sustainable ordinance put into place right now for cultivation. So part of what I also do is I work with my volunteer my time as a member of the Nevada County Cannabis Alliance. And I just want to say what up to all those folks that might be listening at the office right now. They're doing a wonderful job creating a trade association. It's a member based and that's giving a voice in Nevada County as a stakeholder to be able to ensure that the relationship with the county and cannabis really is not going to go away. It's like the Nevada County and their, their relationship with gold mining. It wasn't going out of the way. So right now, there is a stakeholder process that will begin in May. Um, there's a third-party consulting firm out of Berkeley that is going to help facilitate the drafting of a new ordinance, but also a stakeholder process from cultivators, public health, school systems, medical industry there, and they're going to be listening and taking opinions and advice from a variety of other stakeholders. So I am working on getting on that advisory group on behalf of the Cannabis Alliance to ensure that there's a, an ordinance in place so we can get a permit in our local county and take that permit to the state level and get a state license. So to answer your question right now, everything is in flux. There's a lot of people in the same position. We are not knowing what county they're going to operate in, not knowing where they're going to get a permit or a license. I try not to future trip on that too much and obsess about it too much because laws and regulations and policies are getting made and revised on a daily basis on the state level and as well as the county level. It's now time for a brief intermission. Are you a regular listener of the show and wondering how you can help support us? Or even a first-time listener that's really digging this content and wants to make a contribution? Well, now we've made it really easy for you to do that. All you have to do is go to lukestory.com forward slash support where you can offer a one-time or even a monthly monetary pledge to help keep this podcast going. Believe it or not, it's quite expensive running a podcast and there are many people on the payroll in order to keep delivering a high-quality show on a very regular basis. So if you feel so inclined, again, go to lukestory.com forward slash support to offer a little love. And if you just want to listen, keep your ears and your mind open as we get back into the interview. Did you see that show? I think it was called High Profits. I did. It was a I know documentary. Is that what it was called? Yeah. And it was about, it was in Telluride or one of those ski resort towns in Colorado. And it was like following the journey of these 
guys that you know had a cannabis business and stuff like that. And it was it was heartbreaking watching it because they were they were really doing good stuff. You know, they were doing things right, and they were. I mean, of course, they're on a show, so they're going to be legal, but it was really difficult because the city was like fighting against them. And it was interesting to watch like all the legal battles. And then they had the only spot on main street and then they took their license away and they had to move on the outskirts of town and these big money came in and crushed them. And it was quite a drama. You know, I was like, damn man, this is like not an easy business. Meanwhile, they are making money hand over fist, you know? So it's like, I don't feel sorry for them. It's a good business. I mean, you take a seed, some soil, some sun, et cetera, and it turns into cash. I mean, that's like, (laughs) that's pretty good margins, man. It's like my friend... um, Makunde owns the water that the spring water you guys are drinking um, from uh, Jesus Christ. What's it called? Fountain of True Spring Water. And it's like, I mean, I guess he has to pay a lease on the land and has employees and a truck and stuff. But you're literally getting water out of the ground and selling it for twenty bucks a bottle or something, you know. So it's like, wow, wow, that's a good business. But speaking it was, of springs, yeah. um, I've my former girlfriend uh, and I went to the Boca Spring. Oh, Tyler, nice, followed, followed dude. your map. Outside of Tile, you followed yeah, the map? Followed the map. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Did I put it on findaspring.com? You did. Oh, yeah. that's cool. And that's how I got into listening to your podcast. No yeah. shit. That's funny. Yeah. Wow, that's what a great marketing tool. Yeah. yeah. Where you live, I'm I'm, I'm going to take a trip up there again soon. My buddy You've been Ellie. invited. Oh, I have? You've oh, been yeah. Invited. Okay, good. Yeah. <laughs> Does that include a place to stay? Yes. <laughs> really? Yes. Okay, I'm totally going to do that. <laughs> Because Elliot and I, we were invited up there um, by a friend of mine, and she let us stay in her family's condo because her uncle had died or something, and uh, not to make light of that, but it worked out well. And we stopped, I think there's like six hot springs basically around the Reno and Tahoe area, or in between here and there at least. And I think we went to five of them. Awesome. Like just within like a three-day period. It's like basically just went to every single hot springs, found every lake we could swim in, any river we could swim in. It was just like all about water. And then we went to Boca Springs. Little and, slice of heaven up there. Dude, it's the amazing. And we brought home a whole SUV full of that spring water from the spring. Awesome. It's amazing. Yeah. So I'm glad to hear. That was a tough one to find too because it was, it's kind of coming out of the ground. It's yeah, it not like- Yeah, comes out of a little uh, hose bib. Yeah. It's a, like not, not up on a rock or sometimes a spring is like, you're like, oh, there's the spring. We wandered around there for a while and then finally found it kind of just poking out of some grass, yeah. you know? I thought they were going to be like mermaids swimming around, yeah. serving <laughs> yeah, me in totally. this beautiful water. Well, dude, you know what's really good there? Next time you go, I don't know if it'll be in season, but um, wild watercress grows mm-hmm. right out of that spring. It is so bomb, dude. It's 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 so spicy. It's like radish greens or something. It's, you, it's funny how you can see how domesticated our plants are. You could go to Whole Foods and buy watercress and you're like, yeah, whatever, a little sprinkle, a little on a salad. That watercress is like fire. And I remember collecting just a big bushel of it. It was like my big wild foods thing. So I'll have to check look that out, out for that next time. After yeah. the 600 inches of snow melt. <laughs> yeah, totally, uh. totally. Yeah, I forgot about the snow part. I'll be visiting after the snow yeah. by the way but i i'm honestly going to take you up on that because that area is just so amazing it's magical up there yeah. i'd never been i grew up in northern california but had never been to tahoe that's where a lot of uh my inspiration comes from and putting into medicine box and and just being able to uh you asked about you know management of people and human management is a, a big part of being an entrepreneur, especially in the early stages where everyone's wearing so many hats and there's fires to put out everywhere you look and multiple tasks and how to not get overwhelmed by all that task. And and mitigating the overwhelm is going out skiing, walking in the forest, hiking up a mountain, staring at the lake, 
um, and just being able to calm the mind a little bit. And when you calm the mind, some pretty phenomenal ideas can can spruce up um, your day. And um, it's always nice to be able to go back to the team and talk to them about some of these ideas and then see those ideas get executed. You're like, that, that's magic. That's so, awesome. And yeah. You guys can take a, like a Friday off and just go skiing or go... <laughs> Go well, swimming in the lake or whatever. Uh, Ann Britt, one of our brand managers, she's sitting in the room with us. Last Friday, we were skiing pow at Squaw Valley. Wow, yeah, cool, Yeah, three man. feet of snow fell that week, and we played hooky. What a great yeah. place to own a business. I got to like, I gotta figure this out. My business is, I mean, aside from the podcast, but my fashion school, we don't have like a brick and mortar school, but we have an office here that I go into sometimes. I mostly work from home, but I'm like always thinking, how can I start to migrate, at least like move to Topanga or Ojai as a first little step to see like how I can break from the city. But a place like that is just fantastic. Yeah. And in Tahoe too, that lifestyle, it's, it builds tenacity over time, you know, and you move there because of the lifestyle. You move there to be active and be a ski bum. That's what brought me there. It also helps develop, I'd say, some sort of entrepreneurial spirit. You know, you have to figure out how you're going to maximize your fun and still be able to pay rent and food and bills. And that forces you to go out and, you know, be an entrepreneur, you know, yeah. hustle this, hustle that, you know, take off for a week, go pick up some work. You know, a lot of people that live up there work in the cannabis industry and, you know, work their oh, so tails off. That's a pretty off. big thing up there, huh? It is, you know, and, and, and work their tails off in the, in the summer and support themselves to be able to do what else they love to do, whether it's massage or be a yoga instructor or host yoga retreats or ski. Dude, so, I want to do a, like a lifestylist retreat at Sierra Hot Springs. 50 minutes from my house. Wouldn't that be sick? Yeah. Like get together a group of people and just take like three or four days and just cover this entire lifestyle, like everything I talk about on this show. Hit the Boca Spring first <laughs> yeah, yeah, to get yeah. your water. Totally. Then go to Sierra. Yeah, that could be like a perk of the packages people could register for. It'd be like, you, you get like fresh, untreated, undiluted, raw spring water the entire time. All about but that. But yeah, I'm always looking for like a special place like that to bring people and kind of indoctrinate them into the lifestyle and um, teach them stuff. So anyway, listeners, beware at some point something like that could happen. Okay, so I want to get into now some of the actual medical aspects because as I said I'm very familiar with the recreational aspects of cannabis I, I think I just really ran that one into the ground but I'm really clueless about the whole medical side of it and I hear a lot of claims about this and that so I want to get into the chemical process the extraction what it does what people use it for um, I know you probably can't make medical claims but I want to get into like some things that you've heard or witnessed and things like that. So starting out, I want to clarify, what's the difference between CBD oil and THC? Because you see like CBD oil you can buy anywhere, whereas the stuff that has the like cannabis oil or products that have THC are then they're the drug part. So you have to go through a different avenue as a consumer to get that. So what what's the deal with those two compounds? Yeah, there's a lot going on with that question. Um, THC is simply the psychoactive effect of cannabis. CBD is the cannabinoid in cannabis that does not have a psychoactive effect. However... So I could drink a whole bottle of CBD right now and just be chilling stone cold sober? Yes. Okay. You may feel... Because I'm paranoid of like... <laughs> 
you, cannabis products because I don't want to get high. You may feel uh, relaxed or hyper. It's just all dependent I'm on cool how with you're hyper and relaxed. Apparently so after today's <laughs> events. But um, so, do in, you get the munchies off CBD? No. Okay. In, in order to have the benefits of CBD, you do need THC <sighs> there as a ratio. Damn. Um, and that's a good segue into the entourage effect. Okay. So the entourage effect Which is, is something I want to ask you about. So that's yeah, good. is is essentially it's just the cannabinoids synergistically working together to create the full medicinal effects of cannabis. So think of CBD as essentially the lubricant into your endocannabinoid system. The endocannabinoid system is the CB1 receptors and CB2 receptors. CB1 receptors are up here in your your head, your mind, your central and peripheral nervous system. That's what tells you that you have anxiety or you're hungry or you need to sleep or you're horny or you're fearful. CB2 is your whole body, your immune system, your gut. There's a lot going on there. So to get that full entourage effect, you do need the CBD and THC working together with the other synergistic terpenes, and terpenes are what give cannabis its scent and aroma and taste. There's so still do skunks spray terpenes. <laughs> <laughs> right. That would be beta carophylline. Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah. There's a thing. I remember when I was a kid and you know, like I said, in Northern California, you'd be we'd be riding our bikes through the, you know, woods or something, all of a sudden we'd be like, Is that a skunk? No, that's a farm. You know, it's like, <laughs> we would be like wandering around trying to find like weed plants and right. sometimes it would be a skunk, unfortunately, on the side of the road. Yeah, a um, a terpene that you smell in everyday life is linalol or myrcene or pinene, pine trees. Linalol is from lavender, rosemary. That's also found in cannabis. So now diversify whole plants, rosemary, linalol, herbs, botanicals, and you start blending those with the terpenes of cannabis to get a synergistic effect working in that endocannabinoid system. If you want to target your anxiety or your insomnia for sleep, you would use a terpene called myrcene. So you would find that in a indica dominant strain. So when you start really extracting these terpenes out of the plant and then blending them with a proper ratio of CBD and THC, and maybe adding some other synergistic herbs and botanicals on that, that's whole plant medicine. And then you're starting to really focus in on the ailments that you're trying to mitigate or supplement or use as a preventative. So some of those times that you were smoking weed back in the day, if you remember, did it get you hyped up? Did it reduce the anxiety? Did it make you more focused and, and clear? That was really essentially your endocannabinoid system working with your CB1 and CB2 receptors telling you something. 
some people can take that to the next level. You're telling me to listen to Led Zeppelin. <laughs> That's what so you're focused in. <laughs> yeah. I still listen to Led Zeppelin. It was telling me, find your skateboard and your Walkman. You know, we used to have these little tape decks called Walkman. That was, mm-hmm. you know, the first like portable music player. Yeah. I used to, I mean, it's like, I have so many great memories of being a kid, just being out in nature with my bike or my skateboard, being just high as shit, listening to Black Sabbath, Led Zeppelin on my headphones. Having your, some of your first spiritual Those experiences. Were my, yeah. I mean, that's why I always say, I think I said in my first episode, my first spiritual experience, I wasn't high, but it was Jimi Hendrix, just like a vinyl Jimi Hendrix record in my uncle's house, just cranked because my mom used to clean his house. So she'd be at the other end of the house. He had a big house and um, she'd be running the vacuum. And when I knew when she turned the vacuum on, I could just fucking go balls <laughs> out. Awesome. <laughs> you know, I'd be like playing Foxy Lady in Purple Haze, yeah. just like ear bleeding loud on a really great old 70s stereo. And that was my first spiritual experience, which That's brings amazing. me to, so with the CBD, why, why do people bother selling the CBD without THC? Does it have any inherent like uh, health benefits? Or? That's That's the education that people need to understand as a consumer there's and then again we could spend a whole podcast on this topic cbd from hemp and cbd from cannabis oh so all the cbd that you see in the marketplace whether it's in whole foods or online that's all derived from hemp that doesn't really swag dude yeah that doesn't come from the buds it doesn't come from the buds and it doesn't have the terpenes or the thc for the proper delivery not a fan the entourage effect. Even so, I, even I know that's whack. <laughs> that's whack, and okay. all that is is just glossing marketing programs right. and greenwashing. Ooh, I love this shit. Yeah, this is fun. I love to dispel myths and like myth bust on the show because I'm always trying to get to like the real truth nuggets here. So thank you right. for sharing. So that. you know, there's there's fifteen thousand different strain names out there: OG Kush, Hell's Angel, OG Sour Diesel, Blue Dream, Afghan. <laughs> so all scroll. the ones like that the you hear: Maui, Wowie. Yeah, yeah. Um, you you break down that fifteen thousand strain chart, and it probably funnel down into maybe a dozen where all those terpenes really came from, and then all the badass breeders over time that we like to pay homage to that have taken many risks to ensure that these strains have really made it through in the cannabis culture with breeding and back crossing and bringing it to the limelight that we all know as names. But at the end of the day, it's just a name of a flower and we don't know who named it. You know, there's some breeders out there, but it's really the, the magic really happens when the terpenes are there and you know, some other medicinal properties of CBD and it's be good to note our affiliate partner is the Cladrius Network. Uh, The founder force heard his son Silas has the most severe form of epilepsy, Lennox-Gastaut syndrome, LGS. And as of yesterday, and this is very synchronistic with this show, GW Pharmaceuticals just released the test results on a double-blind study that they've been doing with CBD and Lennox-Gastaut syndrome. And essentially the conclusion of those results is that CBD does in fact reduce epileptic seizures to more than 50%. So, however, that is working with the entourage effect that we talked about. Right. So no one really knows where epilepsy comes from. It's genetics, but Forrest, our partner, is doing wonderful work up in Nevada County and on the state level. He 
has given his life now to being a full-time caregiver for his son that suffered up to 2,500 seizures per month and finally found a CBD, ACDC is the name of that, after over a dozen different pharmaceuticals that did not work for his eight-year-old. And now CBD in the medicine that he gives his son has reduced his seizures to zero per month. So that's so again, not making any medical claims, but it's just like that the proof is there. Anecdotal. Yeah. It's there. And it's now taking this that's tangible and moving it forward through education. So So back to the CBD thing and the THC thing, because I want to make sure that we really nail this. So, and you know, of course, this is just your opinion, your experience, Mm -hmm. your research. So can would you unequivocally say that CBD that comes from the hemp plant and not from the flowering buds of a female plant is worthless or does it have any inherent value? I don't want to say it's it's worthless. <laughs> okay. I'm more of a purist when it comes okay. to cannabis and hemp. Hemp definitely has its own attributes. Great for making ropes. Ropes and textile. <laughs> right. and You could make a car uh, out a of it. A car yeah. and, you know, get rid of the plastic industry. Right. However... You know, it's mass-produced, it's industrial-farmed, and you're not really getting the full medicinal composites of a true cannabis plant. Okay, so And that's my, again, that's my opinion. Of course, and you're entitled to it, and I encourage it, and other people can have theirs too. That's the beauty of the First Amendment, or what's left of it. Um, (laughs) It's another podcast. But what about CBD that is from the actual flowers from the buds. Does can, does it do anything without THC? What I'm getting at here what in I'm, a roundabout I way... I think I'm, I'm understanding what you're t- trying to get at. How can someone who does not want to get high at all benefit from this plant? Okay. So, like, like a little kid. I mean, I guess if my kid's having seizures, I'd rather have them get high as shit and not have seizures anymore than take something right, that doesn't so, work. You know, the, the CBD works on a specific ratio. You and I could sit down and we might have the same severe case of anxiety, just throwing that out there. And ACDC is a CBD genetic, and we have a medicine maker make us the same ratio, a 30 to 1, so 30 parts of CBD to one part of THC. Again, you need the THC to work synergistically with the CBD. However, our genetic makeup is completely different. So you may benefit from something that may just be pure CBD without the THC. I may need a little bit of that THC to help supplement the processes of CBD. So it really comes down to a lot of trial and error to get that proper titration, being in tune with your rituals and routines of how you take that medicine you know is it on an empty stomach did you you know sleep half the day did you only sleep three hours last night did you have an herb slip up with your smoothie this morning (laughs) you know things like of that nature so there really isn't this like proper guideline like take two to four you know 80 milligram advil pills as pain persists right it's like pay attention to what's going on, being mindful of your surroundings and mindful of what you've eaten, your diet. And again, that's a very mindful approach to consuming cannabis, but taking specific data. 
and having a caregiver that may look after you or a testimonial or being, you know, we, we have several people that are taking some of our sublingual sprays that are in R&D right now. And then the whole team of Medicine Box has specifically tailored sublingual sprays of CBD and THC that's targeting some ailments that they're all experiencing. So that's also the fun part of it is experimental and, you know, sitting down and, and talking about what's going on in our bodies and, and how we're reacting and responding to it. Yeah, it does make sense that it's totally individual because, I mean, you know, that's the way it is with medicinal herbs, Chinese herbs and things like that. It's like I take something, I feel relaxed or stimulated or whatever, and I'm deriving some benefit from it. Then dude next to me takes the same thing as like nothing and vice versa. You know, it's like right. I, I, one of my favorite supplements is called Unfair Advantage. It's made by Bulletproof. And those things give me so much energy. And then I give them to some people and they're like, I don't feel anything. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> And then other people are like, oh my God, it saved my life. Right. Like I do it before I work out and I crush it. And it's, it's just so weird. It's, it really is individual how all of this stuff affects us. I Absolutely. think I'm always just looking for like what I can get away with in the confines of still staying sober, but, <laughs> but get benefit, you know? I'm right there with you. So it's yeah. like, oh, cause yeah, that's right. Cause we, when we met, you mentioned that you were also sober. You don't drink. And my do my four year chip with me. Cool, cool. So four years, clean and sober. So do you use your own products and how do you do so with discrimination if so? You know, I I microdose. I don't use cannabis on the daily. I use it for a sleep aid and for anti-anxiety. So, you know, I'm not waking up every day or using cannabis throughout my day. It's more of, you know, when when I need it, you know, also being a skier and a a mountain biker, my body takes quite a beating and cannabis has a lot of anti-inflammatory, you know, effects. So one of our tinctures, we have five blends of tinctures. It's called movement medicine. And that's the one that I use the most. And that's a, a perfect way to be able to microdose. Um, and it's in a 30 milliliter dropper. So one ounce um, bottle and it's, you know, a couple drops you can titrate to one to, for me, one to three milligrams of THC in my chamomile tea at night or chamomile lavender tea. And I'm creating an entourage effect for myself at the end of the day to get some good sleep. And I like my eight hours. I, so I have to not, function. So on you don't hours. take a couple drops of that and then you're like, whoa, like you're tripping and you get all like get no. the munchies and start eating no. cookies and like you're high as shit. No, no, not uh, high. but if I took a full dropper, 10, 10 milligrams, I'd probably be pretty high. Right. And I, I don't like getting into that zone. Yeah. And you know, every, everyone's different. Everybody's different. And yeah. you know, for a while I thought I was breaking my own rules because I am sober, but I had, I had addictions with other substances and those substances don't have play any part in my life anymore. Right. And taking a more mindful approach to understanding what I'm taking and also that I grew it, I extracted it, infused it and all it's made all in house. So it's a little more wholesome and intrinsic. Yeah. Yeah. That so. totally makes sense. So 
we're, we've only got a few minutes left because I know you got to drive up to Santa Barbara and take care of some stuff. We're going to the hot springs. Oh, take care of some stuff. <laughs> it's called taking care. That's self-care. Care. You take care of yourself. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. I was just there the other day, actually. Awesome. Yeah, I went camping up there for a couple of days. It's right amazing. On. So congratulations. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about the extraction process. How do you actually get the medicine, get these oils, which I think of sort of as essential oils in a way. I mean, yeah. could you not say that cannabis oil is the essential oil of a cannabis you flower? You 100% spot on. Okay. So the way essential oils are extracted are uh, with supercritical CO2 machines, and that's a simple way to put that is a high pressure and heat, and it literally squeezes out all the THC or CBD and concentrates it down into a taffy-like substance. From there, you can... There's a lot of funny names for these substances, too. I can't remember, but when I was watching the show High Profits, they like had all these... I don't know. There's like... What are some of the names for like the finished product? These weird tar and these like candy sort of substances and all this there, sort of know, stuff? Finger hash, rosin, press... Uh, shatter. I yeah, mean, shatter. That's the one I'm thinking of. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So there's a multitude. But that of, comes later. Yeah. After the extraction process. Yeah. There's right? a multitude of ways to extract. You can use. Right. You can use ice. You can use water. You can use alcohol, ethanol, right. propane. And there's so many different. Do people ways. use like toxic things sometimes, like hexane and? People do use hexane. Yikes. People use butane and a lot of the the shatter that you see. It oh, looks like glass. That's gnarly. from butane, and that's just cheap it's a very cheap way that's to why people do that manufacture yeah, I, just, I just emailed a company called bulk supplements last night that i found on amazon because i was getting some uh, maca and ashwagandha and stuff and they don't say how they extract so i emailed them and it was like do you use a water extraction or using hexane or any of that stuff and they're like water or sometimes ethanol would you say that's like a non-toxic method if you can purge the ethanol out on your final product, okay, which proves to be difficult. I have never used those methods just because I don't even want to try. Right, CO two um, is the best, right? See, in in my opinion, it's the most economical and efficient way, and it's using air, right, that we expel, right. So. Okay, cool. So that's how we're getting this medicine out. Then how do you separate the THC from the CBD once it's extracted? Well, it's all about the start material. So if you're using a, you know, a high potency THC varietal, you know, that's 25% THC, it might only have less than 1% CBD. So you're using your THC source material to get your THC and then you can use a CBD varietal to get your CBD extract. Ah, okay. I see and then saying. you can start blending. So it starts with the raw materials more. Absolutely. So okay. but rewind to our cultivation sites. We have 70% THC genetics that we cultivate in 2017 and 30% CBD genetics. And when we grow those and process them, we will have a stockpile of material to start working with for R&D and uh, new, new product lines. Oh, cool. Yeah. So what's this in the alternative healing and alternative medicine community? I hear a lot about this stuff called Rick Simpson oil. What Have you heard of that? What is that? People seem to think that that's the thing for cancer and all these yeah. really horrendous, incurable diseases. Rick Simpson was, you know, a pioneer in putting his, you know, 
his reputation out there in the community that he was in. And he was, he was taking a very, very basic way of making oil. He used water extraction, I believe. So, and that was just straight from trim source material that he could find from local cultivators and friends. And then he was just extracting that down, essentially just soaking the THC plants and getting, you know, a 90% THC potency percentage and then using that as that high that's really high yeah and using that either as a topical or you know ingesting it um you know in on your tongue so with an oil like the rick simpson oil at 98 percent thc is it possible to take an effective dose of that at all that would have medical benefit that doesn't get you loaded you get loaded on rick simpson oil (laughs) okay no matter what yeah one drop like but rick simpson oil is really targeted towards cancer. Okay. And THC does combat cancer cells. And also folks that have cancer have gone through chemotherapy that are in pain. They they need a they have a high threshold of, of THC that they can take. Right. You know, up to a thousand milligrams of THC per day. Wow. You know, I'm the wow. I'm just dropping one to three milligrams in my tea to help me relax and sleep thousand milligrams is to help mitigate a lot of pain from right. like cancer patients. That's, I mean, listen, that's like, yeah, if you, if you have a disease like that and you have a choice between something that has little to no side effects versus the, all the opiates, the Oxycontin, all that kind of stuff that can just wreck your life, like that's actually much, to me, seems like a much safer route. Right. So at, in closing here, as we wrap up, what are some of the different types of ailments that, you know, I'm not saying for your product because I don't want you to get in trouble with the FDA or whatever. People always are like, I'm not saying shit, you know, because you don't want to get in trouble, but just industry-wide or just things that you've researched or what are some of the things that people might use, you know, THC or medicinal marijuana for legitimately? I mean, aside from just people that just want to party and hang out and listen to Pink Floyd. Right. Sleep, anti-inflammatory, menstrual cycles, cramps, um, anti-anxiety, epilepsy, cancer, PTSD, lower back pain, digestive issues. I mean, think of all the the CB1 and CB2 receptors, immune system, central nervous system. And then if we can figure out weight loss and skin conditions or acne, I mean, there's the sky is wide open for what cannabis can do. Um, I think the most... The basic ones are, you know, insomnia, anti-anxiety, and gut issues. And that's so, most of the people that I, you know, associate with. Right. Is that, that's what they use it for. You have pain mitigation, anti-anxiety, sleep, things like that. So if somebody wanted to buy cannabis products, yours or otherwise in California, where do they do that? They go to a dispensary and tell them like what their goal is and the person working there is going to point them in a direction of a certain brand or yeah, the, type we, of formula? We hope that, you know, the bud tenders are educated enough to be able to... The bud tenders? <laughs> yeah. I love that, dude. To point That's great. a patient or a consumer in the right direction and steer them in right. the right direction. So again, part, that's part of what we like to do is educate people about our brand and how we're doing things and what ailments we're targeting, you know, so they can go into Bud and Bloom and Santa Ana that where we just um, got in their store in Orange County yesterday and they can ask, you know, I want the, you know, equanimity tincture because it helps me sleep. And I read about it on Medicine Box, um, 
you know, so it, again, you know, as a cannabis movement in the whole, it is about education and really educating patients and consumers and baby boomers that are, you know, 58 years and older coming into the industry and saying, I don't, I don't think I need my, you know, Oxycontin or, or Percocets anymore to get out of bed or go to sleep. God, it's so it's so hard to record hour long podcasts. Some of these end up being like two and a half hours. I'm like, wait, wait, but 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 I'm gonna let you out of here. What about for psychiatric issues? Have you heard about any application there in terms of getting people off of psych meds and things like that? I've been on antidepressants that did not go well for me. I'm sure yeah. some people, I guess, need them, and some are probably they're probably widely over prescribed. In my opinion, have you? They are over had any experience or anything there? Personally, personal experience. Uh, I was, you know, after about two years into sobriety, you know, that pink cloud kind of dissipated and life started happening, and you know, I was really feeling, you know, the effects of anxiety and depression and talk to my doctor and oh, oh, take 10 milligrams of Prozac. And I did that for two years, but I, I didn't want to be on it, but I didn't really know the solutions. I didn't know what else was out there. And I was developing more of a robust spiritual practice to help mitigate the things that do cause anxiety and, and depression. And I eventually just started weaning myself off of the a 10 milligram per day dose of Prozac and our partner, Michael, who is a former sacral cranial therapist, and he spent a lot of his career transitioning people off of SSRIs and saw the detrimental effects of that and really started focusing on CBD and THC genetics and breeding to that those specific uh, psychiatric ailments. And him and I, since July, we spent some time since then really titrating a specific blend of CBD and THC and some other essential oils to help with that transition. And today I can say that I am 100% um, transitioned off of a 10 milligram dose of Prozac and living much more holistically and taking my GABA and omega-3s and, you know, a CBD spray when I need it, not daily, but if I'm feeling that kind of crawling in my skin and anxiety, I can just kind of mitigate that with some medicine that works. Awesome, man. Yeah. Congratulations. That's cool. And um, so, you know, I, I mentioned Michael, and this for me is amazing sitting here and talking to you about all this stuff. And I just wanted to say thanks to my team that I have in place, on all the way from the cultivators to our brand managers, our product developers. Um, and my partners that really work well together. And that is the entourage effect of the human management part of Medicine Box. So I can come out and sit here in your beautiful apartment and, and talk Medicine Box and talk cannabis. It's, it's what I like to do. Well, so I think it's them not, too. Yeah, it's, for, not, it's for, not possible without yeah. everyone in place. Yeah, yeah, of course. So, of course. Somebody's got to be back, um, you know, shoving coal in the oven. You and know? they all, they love it. They're good at what they do and it's a blessing to have good people in place that really 
really get what we're doing. Cool, man. So, well, yeah. I'm glad you're able to make it. So yeah, in thanks, closing, Luke. my last question is this, and it, you said you've listened to the show, so hopefully you didn't prepare and I can catch you off guard and get a spontaneous answer. So you've taught me and the audience tons about this industry and everything that you're doing. I was you know, very ignorant about it. I'm a little smarter now. So who have been three teachers or teachings in your life that have helped you in any way, not even necessarily related to your industry, but just things that were catalysts that kind of like really pushed you along? Yeah. Um, great question. I always like to revert to my dad. He, he taught me how to ski when I was eight years old. Um, I'll be 38 in January. So coming up on 30 years, um, he also taught me how to play guitar when I was 12. So those two things really helped me stay grounded. Shit, in we could have started the episode having a little jam. I didn't we know you We could still have our jam. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, my dad, my my papa, uh, he's ninety three, and he's still he's he has that entrepreneurial spirit. He came over from Sicily, um, living in East Boston back in the Depression, and he did what he had to do to make money and put food on the table. And he was also a worked in the garment industry in Boston. He was, oh no shit! Yeah. I was thinking when you said he did what he had to do, I was like, was he in the mafia? Or something? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, you're like, I'll neither confirm nor deny. He that. did what he had to do. Let me put yeah, it that yeah. way. Well, uh, he's from Cis, you know, Sicilian, Sicily, East okay. Boston. I get but it. he um, he worked in textiles in the garment industry, and his business was called the House of Pockets. And he sewed uh, lapel pockets on your vest right there. That's what he'd sew. Oh, cool! On on blazers, and um, that's actually one of our entity's name. Um, and the third person, how about not a person? How about an area, Lake Tahoe? Absolutely. How about man. an area and all the people that I meet along my journeys, and and just the landscape that I live in, and the very influential people that I get to correspond with on a daily basis and get inspiration from, and just living that path, you know, you, you seem to sync up with people that have the, the same core values and beliefs that you do. And that's been, you know, integral to, you know, my personal development and evolution, as well as, you know, building a business in a very, very zany industry. So, Right on, man. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. And thank Thanks, you for Luke. coming by. Yeah, this has been fantastic. I'm a little bit envious that you're on your way to the hot springs. I'll be recording probably for the next 10 hours, sewing up a bunch of upcoming episodes, but um, really glad we got to hook up. Yeah. And I am taking you up on your offer Please to come do. to Tahoe as soon as that goddamn snow's gone. Yeah, it's melting quick. All right, cool. Yeah, we'll and then we could even pop down into the foothills an hour and 10 minutes away and you can see a full cannabis farm and <laughs> that would be fantastic work. you would we'll like you have to get like a sober companion though to watch me to make sure because like, i was looking at your instagram i was like damn that looks good yeah. like shit i need like a chaperone to keep like my hands handcuff me when i go in there i might walk out with a bud in my yeah. back pocket or something i'll keep an eye on you that looks fantastic yeah. yeah even sometimes i'm out still like i don't know i come out of the movies and some kids are like blazing in their car i'm like Fuck, that smells good. Yeah. I got to be careful because that's a gateway drug for me, not for all people. For me, it definitely is. But anyway, good times, dude. Thanks for coming. Thanks, and, Luke. Uh, until we meet again. Yeah. Cheers. Cheers, man. Thanks, everyone out there. Okay, ladies and gents, that brings another episode of the Lifestylist podcast to a close. And as I sit here and record this outro, I'm wondering how many of you listening 
We're so inspired by this episode that you decided to fire up a joint. I bet a couple of you did, and God bless you. Just be careful, kids. You know it's the gateway drug. No, actually, for me, it really <laughs> wasn't is. But uh, whether you blaze or whether you use it for medicine, whatever your story is, or if you're stone cold sober, God bless you, man. You know, it's all about uh, freedom. That's what I'm all about. And if somebody wants to take a plant out of the ground and uh, light it on fire, more power to them. That's what I say. But it really is interesting to learn about this as an alternative medicine because uh, we know that the pharmaceutical industry has got some flaws. So the more close we can get to nature and natural cures, the better. And that's why I wanted to put this episode out. So um, thanks to Brian. Thanks to you for listening. Listen, this is the last episode of, I guess you could call season one, because next week, as I said, will be the one year anniversary of the Lifestylist podcast. We're celebrating that on June 6th with number 68 with my friend Neil Str- And that is an episode you do not want to miss for real. We talk all about functional and dysfunctional relationships. Super fun stuff. So make sure that you subscribe to the show so you don't miss out. And uh, right at this moment, I'm over 500,000 downloads, over half a million right before the year anniversary. And I want to thank you for listening. I want to encourage you to share this show with as many people as you can so that I can hit the goal of 1 million downloads by the end of 2017. It's all up to you. So thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoy it and we'll see you on Tuesday. Okay, now that we've wrapped up another episode and are even more inspired to live a healthy, happy lifestyle, I want to remind you to go to Organifi.com. That's spelled with an I, Organifi.com. Check out the green juice powder. It's fantastic. And what's even more fantastic is that if you enter the code LIFESTYLIST at checkout, you're going to save a whopping 20% off your order. Go to Organifi.com, enter the code LIFESTYLIST, save 20%.